Well, good morning, church. Good to see you today. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Mark, and I have uh, I fill the pulpit on most Sundays, and uh, I will uh, have done that since about August uh, of ten. Appreciate you being here. Love to get to meet you uh, after uh, the service. We're in a series of messages. I usually preach in series. That's easier for me than just try to every single week come up with something brand new. So we preach in series. The last five, six, seven weeks or something is try to stay on the same topic and expand it. Um, uh, the old messages are on the internet, zenianaz.org, on our YouTube page. I guess they're on Facebook somewhere too if you need to catch up. But we're talking about next steps. Everything in life is step by step. Uh, very little in life happens in leaps and bounds. And that's actually very good news. Because if, if you had to take big, huge leaps, that's really intimidating. If I have to go from here to here, that's really hard and intimidating. But to here to here and to here and to here, it's more manageable. And it seems like that we can understand it and handle it better. Christian life is no different. Everything in the Christian life is step by step. And I'll stop here and do what I've done every single message here and say, don't get confused and think that becoming a Christian is step by step. Like I, I've heard people say, I'm working on it. I, that doesn't make any sense. You either are a Christian or you aren't a Christian. That's a decision, a choice you make to repent of your own lordship of your own life and to be, accept Jesus as a Lord of your life. That's being born again. That's receiving Christ, accepting Christ, getting saved, however you choose to word that. But even though that is a one and done kind of happens all at once thing, there's a whole, whole lot that leads up to that moment. A lot. No one ever walks in this church or any other church and is an atheist and becomes a Christian that day. There's just a lot of steps that you take as you become more open to the things of God through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about. And each week we'll talk about uh, a different step that you take as a Christian. And this week I want to talk about, uh, just uh, they're all crucial steps or I wouldn't spend your time talking about them, but I just don't understand any Christian, professing Christian that hasn't stepped into consistent worship attendance. Now who gives the rip what I think? I don't think the Bible understands that. I don't think the Bible understands a professing Christian that hasn't stepped into the gathering together. It's not a Mark's opinion. Mark's opinion won't do anything to you. Basically, it's Christianity 101. To a consistent worship attendance. Christians want to be together. Now, hear me. If Christians don't want if a professing Christian doesn't want to be with other Christians, I doubt your salvation. Now, that's not Mark doubting it. That's God's Word doubting that. Because Christians want to be with Christians. Jesus, if there's anybody who didn't need to go to church with Jesus, Jesus never learned anything at church. Jesus never said, well, I never thought of that. Good preaching, Rabbi. <laughs> If there's anybody that didn't need to go to church, it was Jesus. And Luke chapter 4, verse 16 says it was his custom. 
to be in the synagogue, which is the way they understood church at that time. Every Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. Sabbath was Friday at 6 to Saturday at 6. Every Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Now, if you're a Christian and you buy into the mission statement of the Church of the Nazarene, which is to make Christ-like disciples in the nations, then this message can end right here. We don't have to go any further. It was Jesus' custom. And if we're called, which the Bible does call us, to be Christ-like disciples in the nations, then you need no other explanation from me. It's there in black and white. It was his custom, as is also there in the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, says, do not, depending on your translation, do not neglect the gathering together. Again, if you're a Christian, you need no explanation by Mark, you need no illustration, you, you, you need nothing else, you need no convincing, there it is, black and white, do not give up meeting together. And why do you not give up meeting together? I've said this a lot of times. Is it because God's going to knock you over the head with a baseball bat? If you don't, no. It's so that you may encourage one another. Every single person in here has a ministry. And the only thing you have to do to have that ministry is to show up. Is to show up. I can remember being a young Christian. And my pastor, Kim Smith, who did the revival here several months ago, he brought in a professor from Nazarene Seminary where he attended school in, in March of some year, probably 96, I don't know. No, it had been earlier than that, it had been 95 or 94, and that didn't make a difference. But uh, he brought it in in March, and we just so happened in Sterling, Illinois, the week that we brought him in for that spiritual growth weekend or whatever it was. Uh, we just had a horrible, horrible weather. Blizzard, uh, blinding, uh, cold just really, really bad. And so it came on a Friday night or something. I don't know what it was. And it was the worst night that we've had. And, and there, I knew there wasn't going to be anybody there. But soon I went, and I can't remember if we were married then or not, but soon I went, and the only reason I went is because I didn't want the pastor to be embarrassed by his old hero, his prof, show up, and there's only 20 people there. See, I had a ministry of showing up. Me walking in that night encouraged Kim. And we all have that ministry. Do not give up meeting together that you may encourage one another. In the, in the New Testament, Jesus has already ascended in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says they devoted themselves, they would be the disciples and other believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts 2.42. This Christian life, friends, there's just no Lone Ranger Christians. I don't see how you make it to heaven to be a Lone Ranger. I just don't. You need the encouragement and the support from the body. A year and a half ago, we had a Sunday school class here. And they decided to start a house church. 
they, they gather every single Sunday at 4 o'clock. And they have, there's about 20 of them, and they have a house church. And I supported them. They felt led to do that, and I supported them. I had two questions for them. I said, what are you going to do with the kids? How are you going to minister? You can minister to one another. I had three questions for them. I said, what are you going to do with your kids? I said, what are you going to do with your tithe? And how are you going to serve in ministry? House churches are fine. It's a, it's a way to gather. We had a church meet across the street for four years. New community church is out on the, the north end of town now. And the old Presbyterian church out there. They met four years across the street. They call themselves a community of house churches. That's great. They have a gathering on Sunday morning. They put a whole lot of emphasis on their house churches. But see, even with a house church, you're gathering. You're, you're gathering. And in the gathering, there is in encouragement. Friends, I am so thankful for technology. Um, because of technology, I don't have to go and do what I used to do before we had all the fancy things. Harold remembers this. Harold, we used to have a cassette tape ministry, didn't we? And I would go, people that, that were sick or in nursing home, I'd go give them cassette tapes. Doesn't that seem ancient? I'm so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I'm so glad for, for, for video. I'm so glad for, for live streaming. I'm so glad that, that uh, a ladies' Bible study, you can see a video of, of, of someone, and they can lead you through and accent the Bible study. I'm so glad for Zoom, and you can get together and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think we should be very slow to criticize technology, but hear me, we should not settle for it. There are some things in life that can't be digitized, and one of those is the gathering together. Now, we've invested more money into our live stream than most churches have to make it look good and professional and, and easy to watch and all that kind of stuff. And live stream is here to stay, and it serves a purpose. It serves a purpose for people that are sick, and they're shut in, and they can't make it. There will be a day in time in my life that I will no longer be able to go to church because of some health infirmity, my, like my mom right now at 91. I'm so glad we have that for those people. I'm so glad we do. I'm, I'm glad we have it. For when we got something weird going on like COVID and, and some people are uncomfortable and, 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 and everybody's working through that on their own way and I get that and, and that's fine and, and I'm glad we have that. It's a legitimate purpose. It's, it's a good purpose to, for, for new people that come to town and maybe they're checking out other churches. It's a marvelous purpose for unbelievers who, who you know, they just don't know this church is a weird thing and, but maybe they can check us out on live stream and and it, it serves a really good purpose, but it doesn't, it's not good for you to stay home and watch it in your jammies when you're capable of being in the sanctuary. Now, that's not a very cool thing to say. And the cool pastors now, they will just present, they will present the live stream as just a viable option for you. You can come live, you can watch it on live stream. I ain't doing that. It's not biblical. There's something special that ha happens in the gathering. 
online school was something we had to deal with, and I'm, sur I'm sure we dealt rightly with that for a while. And the kid sat in front of a computer, but it wasn't the same. A next step for people. A next step for people is consistent attendance in the gathering. In the gathering. Technology is, we should be slow to criticize it, but we should be equally as slow to settle for it. When I get to be 91, I probably will have to settle for it. I probably will have to settle for it. When we go on vacation, I don't watch you all. I go to church. We go to church. Our family goes to church. I like to remember what it's like to be a visitor and how weird it feels to be a walk-in to when you know. I need to remember that as a pastor because we can lose that. Walking into a place where you don't know anybody is a scary thing. And I need to be reminded of that. And plus, we gather together. Are you hearing me put down live stream? You're, you're not hearing. You're not hearing. It serves a valuable purpose, but not just because we woke up late and wanted to watch eating cinnamon buns. On the authority of God's word. Oh, Mark, you're just upset because attendance is down. Nah, it's got nothing to do with it. I'm, you know what? I'm not really upset that attendance is down because because everybody's tennis down so it's not like we're doing real bad or anything church is forever changed because of COVID forever forever church is a habit and their people got out of the habit for a legitimate reason I'm not going to fight that argument I just refuse to fight that argument but church is forever changed. We have as many people going to church as we ever have, but regular attendance is, now, is no longer three Sundays a month, it's two Sundays a month. That's not good for making Christ-like disciples in the nations. I had a guy leave my church because I was saying this to the board and, and he goes, why can't you just consider it another campus? Because it's not, it's there to fill a need if you can't make it to church. I'm stupid for saying this. You know, you know how out of date I am? You know how not up to 2022 I am right now? You know, you know the criticism that I will take because of this? But God's word speaks plainly. Do not give up meeting together issue closed there's viable reasons people won't come into church and all that gets worked out but it's if there's a viable reason i'm glad we have that i'm so i'm so glad i get three or four emails a month and people will people will say hey i saw you on they, they're christians but they just tuned in you know on wednesday or something they saw it on our facebook page aren't you i'm so isn't that marvelous technology you can do that I got a text a while back from a high school friend. He said, hey, Mark, I just happened to tune in and just want to let you know I watched. appreciate it. What a marvelous way to increase the outreach of our church. 
but let's not settle for it and think it's a viable option for those of us healthy enough to walk into the place. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. But I find the truth is pretty tough most times. I really do. Church attendance is marvelous. It really is. But it's, um, it's not the goal. The gathering is not the goal. You know, we, we rate our churches by how many people are in the gathering, and we go to a district assembly every year, and everybody looks at their st- stats, and we had more than we had last year, or less than we had last year, and we do that. But, you know, probably that's not the best way to gather the impact of a church. It's probably the best way to, to, to gather the impact of the church is how many people really understand that they are the church. It's not going to church, it's being the church. We've heard that saying for the last 20 years, and it was right, and we preach sermon series on that. But see, if you just leave the gathering, you're nothing but a consumer. There's somewhere along the line that you have to cease being a consumer. Consumer's fine when you're a new Christian, absolutely fine when you're a new Christian. Consumer is fine. You need to consume because the Bible calls you a babe in Christ, an infant in Christ. And no infant in Christ needs to be teaching a Sunday school class. But then there's a step to take from being a consumer of church to a producer of church. And the churches that are making impacts in their communities, they have a large percentage of people who see themselves as the church of Jesus Christ. Church is not something they go to. It's something they are. And that's biblical as it can possibly be because the word that gets translated church is in the Greek. It's the word ekklesia, which just means called out ones. The Bible has no understanding of a building. Buildings are good. I'm glad we have buildings. But the Bible has no understanding that. The Bible understands a church as a people who are called out of this world to go and minister. Gathering is a, is a, is a step that some people need to take. But you've got, if, let me tell you if, if you, if you, if you are, I've seen it, I've seen it, I've seen it, and Harold has too. If you are a consumer of church and you do nothing but consume church, you'll be a 70-year-old babe in Christ because you've not taken the step to start being the church of Jesus Christ. So gathering is great. Uh, Gathering is great. It's important. I I, I just spent 10 minutes on it, but it's not the end. Why do you gather? So we can scatter well. What's the purpose of the gathering? So I can scatter well. You are the church. Matthew chapter 16 is a famous saying that if you, if you understand or you're familiar with the Bible, Jesus speaking and said, I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell is an equally good translation, the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome his church. That doesn't seem like being a pew sitter to me. See, it's marvelous, marvelous to, to, to be a consumer of church, but then you grow and you start becoming a producer of church. 
There's something in church that we call the 80-20 rule. Or the 20-80 rule, however you want to say it. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's just true. Nazarene, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, it's just true. Churches that are making impact in the community, they bust through that. They bust through that. Because the gathering is not enough. It's a marvelous step. It's, it's, it's important. It's important. But you have to come to grips where you see yourselves as the church. We are, we're the church when we gather, and we're the church when we scatter. This, this, this saying here, the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's fascinating. Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. It was a pagan place, a pagan place, worship of many, many different gods, often worshiped with uh, sexual rituals. It was a pagan place. So he took his disciples there, and when he's talking about the gates of hell, he was talking about this debauchery that's right here. The gates of hell will not overcome my church of Jesus Christ. And Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus probably said this, and it makes a lot of sense, it was, it was right at the formation of the largest rock formation in all of Israel. And so when Peter, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes up with, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Isn't it fascinating that in front of the largest rock formation in all of Israel, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, this rock of your confession of faith on this rock i will build my church <laughs> we have a picture of it here this modern day caesarea philippi those little cutouts is where they stuck their idols for worship and we learned the book of acts they even had a just to, just to cover their bases they even had an idol that they didn't name and it was just to the unknown god just in case they left one out it's in the book of acts so this is what it looks like today. This may have been what it looked like uh, in Jesus' time, this next slide that's coming up here. This is an artist's rendering. There would have been temples to all kinds of gods that were being built. and You see the little cutout in the rock there with little idols in that. That's a rendering of maybe what it looked like. And right there, Jesus said, my church the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. That didn't sound like coming and sitting in a pew to me. That sounds like a force for good in the community. A force for good in the community. That, that, didn't, that didn't sound like just going to church. That sounds like being the church. I've read this verse to you many times, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, we don't know who it was. Some people think it's Paul. We don't know. And he says, we're irritated with people that haven't taken a step. He says, by now you ought to be teachers. It's a logical step that the Bible assumes people take. There's gr it's great to be a babe in Christ. It's great to be an infant in Christ. And those are both biblical phrases. Everyone starts there. But the writer to Hebrews says, man, you ought to be farther along than you are right now. You ought to be producers. You shouldn't have to be taught the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk. 
And you should need solid food. I'm trying to tell you that the gathering is not the goal. We gather so we can scatter. We gather for encouragement, for teaching, for information that we apply to our lives in the scattering. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, he says, uh, where two or three gathered, then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right there with them. And, and people say, well, two or three can gather right on the computer as well. Well, I guess you can. But in the context of this passage, this is Matthew 18, friends. In the context of this passage, when Jesus said that, it's in the context of church. It's in the context of church discipline that when someone errs, you as a believer need to go bring him back. If he won't listen to you, you take another believer with you and you go bring him back. And if he won't listen to two of you, you tell the church and say, church, we got to get this guy back. And then Matthew 18, 20 comes that when you do something as difficult as church discipline, I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. It's in the context. Read it. It's in the context of the church. <laughs> Friends, don't reduce church to a podcast. Don't reduce church to a live stream. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's community. It's praying for one another. It's helping one another. It's serving one another. I mean, what better way, not the only way, but what better way to work out those 50-some-odd one-anothers in all of Scripture? Greet one another, be merciful to one another, help one another, be hospitable to one another. What better way to work all that out? Well, let me say this. What easier way to work all that out than to be a member of a body? And you can work out the one-anothers of Scripture. Don't reduce church to a podcast. I listen to more podcasts than the rest of you do. I guarantee it. I've always got a. I'm listening to somebody preach all the time. But don't reduce church to a podcast. Podcasts serve a marvelous, marvelous purpose. I'm so thankful we have them. I'm so thankful we have them. They serve a marvelous purpose for people who cannot come to church. Or for some reason in their life, they, they just right now they're going through a season that for whatever reason they can't come to church. Or this whole COVID thing, they're uncomfortable being in the body. I'm, I'm so glad we have an outlet for that. But don't reduce church to just to that. Don't reduce it just to that. Now one more thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to shut up. Um, and I've already said it, but I want to hit it a little harder. We don't go to church. We are the church. Biblically. Biblically. Ecclesia is the word. The called out ones. Jesus said in John 17, he, he's, 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 he's praying to the Father before his death. And Jesus says, my prayer, Father, is not that you would take them out of the world, I don't want you to take them out. You know anybody that, that views their Christianity as like escapism to protect them from the evils of the world? That's not what Christianity is. 
It's gates of hell kind of stuff. That's when the church is operating. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world. You know, if you're a Christian, somebody ought to look at you cross-eyed every now and then. You really should. If your goal is for, for everybody to agree with you and think you're a great person, then, then Christianity's, uh, being a biblical Christian is going to be a hard thing for you. Because some people will look at you cross-eyed because they don't understand us, friends. We don't think, think like they do. He tells the Father, Father, they're not of this world, even like I'm not of it. Then he says, sanctify them. Set them apart by the truth of your word. Your word is truth. And then he finally says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. Well, Mark, that's just meaning the disciples. And, well, you've certainly got a different understanding of that than the best biblical interpretation throughout 2,000 years. Jesus says, as just like, Father, you sent me, now, Father, I am sending them. That's gates of hell type of stuff. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.20. It comes three verses after 5.17, which says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And in the very context of that, because you're a new creation, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. Because you're a new creation. Therefore. Anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you've got to realize what that therefore is there for. And it always says, because this is true, now this is true. Because you're a new creation in Christ, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And look at the knee-knocking words as though God were making his appeal through me. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Which you do need to be reconciled to God. The Bible calls unbelievers enemies of Christ. Not too many people preach that either. But it's what it says. Be reconciled to God. The United States has an ambassador to every country, I would assume, There's an ambassador to Portugal. What is that person's job? They represent the United States in Portugal. We are Christ's ambassadors. It can't end with a gathering. Well, I come and hear a good good sermon, preacher. How is it when you walk out here? How do you see yourself? This is identity in Christ. This identity in Christ. How do you see yourself? When I'm operating on all cylinders as a Christian, I see myself as a Christian first. Way, way more important than being a husband. In fact, I can't be the husband who needs me to be without being a Christian. Then I see myself as a father. Third. Then I see myself as a son of Ann Atherton and a brother of Dan Atherton. And somewhere down the line, I see myself as a pastor. But the first 
identity is I'm a Christian, which means I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Stick your chest out. Hebrews 13, 14. Hebrews 13, 14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, here, but we're looking for another city. We don't live for this world. We live for the next one. You're going to spend a, a, a puny 85, 90 years in this world. We don't live for this world. What does the world do? It lives for this world. Why aren't the church, our churches packed today? Because people live for this world. We said, you, you're looking for a city. Remember Vestal Goodman? She says, I'm looking for a city. You thought that was just a good tune. That's Bible. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. When I'm sent into this world, when I am the church, I can have that type of a mindset. Philippians chapter 1 tells me that because I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ, I need to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel. I, I, I would think the ambassador to Portugal needs to conduct himself in a manner that's worthy of being an ambassador, whatever kind of conduct that is. Because he's representing another. And because we represent another, because it's our witness, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the one that you represent. Jesus said in John 20, right before his death, no, excuse me, after he had, after he had risen, he breaks through the wall and his disciples all hide and they were all scared to death, thought they were going to be persecuted. And he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Friends, you do not understand the mind shift that this requires. You have to see yourself different. You, you've, you've learned by now that everything in life is between the ears. Everything in life is between the ears. I had a six foot eight kid in one of my basketball teams I coached. He never, ever, ever saw himself as six foot eight. He was. You know, you have to be too good of a basketball player if you're six foot eight. You just have to stand there and hold your hands up. Ball bounce to you every now and then. He never saw himself as six foot eight. He didn't walk onto the floor as six foot eight, the tallest person on the floor. We had a guy in my high school, six foot three, 325 pounds. Football coach was drooling over him, could never get him to go out because he never saw himself as six foot three, 325 pounds. And somebody that could be a force on that offensive line. Everything in life is between your ears. Smart people don't succeed in life. It's the people that get their mind right. And that's why Jesus says that you need to be transformed, Romans 12, by the renewing of your mind. You change the way you think. And, and having a thought process that you walk out of this place right now as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, that is an unbelievably huge mindset. That's a step that I may say I don't think very many Christians take. Well, that's just for you, Mark. I mean, you are, you know, you know you're, you're, you're the one that does that kind of stuff. That ain't biblical, friends. I have, a, I have a certain calling on my life. 
but all Christians are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ and to represent him wherever you go. What an unbelievably hard mental step that is for people to take. To see themselves that way. Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life, the number two best-selling Christian book of all time behind the Bible. And Rick says this, the greatest hindrance to being the Christian God wants you to be is between your ears. Well, I, I, could, I could never, I could never, okay, that's, you have a mindset problem. Well, I could never do, I mean, I, I can see Mark doing it, but I can, let's see you have a mindset problem. Or, let's get closer to home, you have a trust problem because he's called you an ambassador and you refuse to believe it. You've refused to take him at his word. I would hate to stand before God one day and says, Mark, why didn't you trust me in that area of your life? I called you an ambassador, and you, and you went around with your head down all the time. I would hate to stand before God and say, why didn't you trust me there, Mark? When I said, I've sent, I've sent you, and you were an ambassador of Jesus Christ, why didn't you trust me with that, Mark? Wouldn't that be awful to stand before God on that? gather really important to gather but you gather so you can scatter the gathering is an extremely small portion if we added up the hours we spent in the gathering there would be relatively few 90 plus percent is in the scattering as you walk out of this place and you see yourselves as an ambassador of Jesus Christ Who can take that step? You sure can't take it on your own. You sure can't take it in the flesh. That is, uh, that is a gift of grace. But God has put his finger on every single one of us in different ways. He hasn't called every one of you all to be up here on Sunday morning. I'd hate to be, listen to some of y'all on Sunday morning bore me to death. He hasn't called everybody to be up here and do this. But he's called you something He's called you to be salt and light in your neighborhood. He's called you out of this world. What a huge step to take. What a, what a step of trust it is. Say, God, I'm scared to death, but you've called me your ambassador, and here I go. And I don't know all that that means and how that all works out in your life, but I know you are one if you're a professing Christian. Our servers are coming to the table. Every time that communion is spoken about in Scripture, it's in the gathering. The word communion, come on, friends. The word communion is a community event. Well, I can sit home and, 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 and I, can, I can go get some, some Ritz crackers. and uh, Yeah, I guess you can. But don't settle for that. There'll be a day in my life, and in most of yours, you'll have to settle for that. You'll have to because of life. My mom has to now. But don't settle for that now. You're missing it. 
you're missing it. And if you don't want to be among the gathering together, as my dad used to say, do you really have the goods? Dad sees somebody that was a real sincere Christian, he goes, he's got the goods. Do you really have them? Or I guess it could be that you're, you're still an infant and you haven't progressed. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't refuse to take those next steps. I hope I've been pastorly this morning. I hope I haven't been harsh. It's not my, it's not my, it's not my, uh, it's not my goal to be harsh. It's my goal to speak the truth and to accompany it with grace. I think, I think, I think this is some of the most loving things I could ever tell you. I really do. Because this is the deal here, friends. <laughs> this is it. Father, you've called us to live this life in community with one another. And that looks different for us and looks different for people that are in house churches, people that are in small churches, people in larger churches. But Father, your word simply says, do not give up the meeting together. And Father, I am so thankful for technology. I'm so thankful for it. It serves an unbelievably good purpose. And I, I don't want to be too harsh I want to be slow to criticize it, but I want us all to be slow to settle for that and think that's what it's all about. Jesus takes these words that I've said and lodge them in all of our hearts where you know they need to be lodged. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, we have communion stations open. I'll lead you through those of you that will sit in your seats and take it. Uh, somebody may want to come pray at the altar. You now worship in the next, next few minutes as God leads you, okay? <laughs>